Hey everyone, it is Seth and Eric again, back for another week of Going Zero. And I'm kind of excited because, um, you know, we're only two weeks in here, Eric, and you know, stuff's getting a little crazy already because I'm now, you know, reading all these articles on sustainability, trying to get deeper on it. And I'm already seeing conflicting information, which is confusing the heck out of me. And we'd love to get your insight on it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited too, Seth. Uh, I think the the world that we're diving into is a, a limitless ocean of contradictions and and information. So, um, yeah, there's no limit to the amount um, to uh, to learn about. Yeah, I mean, today what I want to talk about, um, you know, we've been talking before to setting it up was one of the big things we want to talk about is these two conflicting reports that came out this week about the plastic ban use in the U.S. and the impact it's had overall. And I guess, Eric, can you walk me through the details of these reports and kind of get a feel? And, you know, I don't know if you want to pull it up on your screen or how you want to do it, but we'd love to get your, your feedback on this because I'm lost. And I have a feeling a lot more people are because it feels like, who do you believe? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, so uh, California or cities in California, and I think California as well, but New Jersey enacted a, uh, a plastic ban, uh, a grocery store plastic bag ban um, that um, went into effect in 2022. Um, and so since then, uh, there's been an interest to see, you know, what impact it has had. And um, a report came out recently that um, cited some uh, res uh, results from a study from the Fredonia group, which says that um, there has been a 60% reduction in total bag volume, which is a good thing and, and reflects well on, on the regulatory uh, efforts. Um, but then it also is claiming that uh, plastic consumption in the state as a whole uh, triple, which is a bad thing. Um, and so they, they, they are putting forth different um, rationales for, for why that's the case. Um, one of them being that um, it's led to the purchase of more reusable plastic bags, which are made from non-woven polypropylene. Um, and the interesting part of that is that, you know, some people claim that a lot of these reusable ba bags don't have much post-consumer con content in them. I think you could see that some of them do, um, but ultimately, you know, that type of material is not widely recycled. So um, it calls into question in a way, like, is it environmentally beneficial to purchase plastic reusable bags versus uh, disposable one-use plastic bags? Both are potentially, you know, in my mind, seemingly bad. Um, not only that, but, you know, I think another interesting component of this and one where uh, it may be an unexpected uh, uh, friend of this argument to use reusable bags is they've found that stores have benefited from the sale of reusable bags to the extent of up to $200,000 in profit per store per, per year. Um, so in a way, like now, that this has been established. I think um, a lot of the grocery chains are going to be uh, uh, on on your side of, of pushing for getting rid of disposable bags. Um, and then beyond that, um, 
I think there was a report put out by um, a couple of professors published in the Journal of Environmental and Resource Economics. Uh, it was titled uh, The Spillover Effects of Grocery Bag Legislation, Evidence of Bag Bans and Bag Fees. Um, these professors are located at the University of Georgia and Texas A&M. Um, and it claims that carry-out grocery bag regulations lead to an average increase in purchased plastics of 127 pounds per store per month. And I think some of the reasoning behind that finding that they, they rationaled was um, that it leads to potentially more purchase of these bags, like I just talked about, or it leads to the purchase of more um, uh, garbage bags for the home. Um, to use because I think in some instances um, those disposable plastic bags that you get from the grocery stores turn into uh, trash bags used in the house either in smaller garbage bins or potentially for cat litter such as such as uh, I do sometimes with disposable <laughs> plastic bags right um, yeah, man. And, there you go right and so if you don't have those uh, plastic bags that you get from going grocery shopping um, you wind up buying them and, and using plastic trash bags that are disposable anyways. And so I think that it, it's an interesting uh, story. Uh, it's, uh, it's trying to counterbalance the arguments for uh, plastic bag bans potentially. Um, and uh, it, it, it widens the lens in, in viewing what the impacts of some of these regulatory efforts are. Okay. Well, I guess a couple things. One is, if I understand this correctly, too, Eric, um, plastic bans, plastic bag bans have gone into effect in several states. Don't have the exact number right now. It's actually it doesn't matter because you might be listening to this much later than today. Um, two studies have come out, though, stating, hey, these plastic bag bans, one, they've reduced the number of plastic bags used, which is probably true because you banned them in some way. And banned is a loose term. I'll go through that in a second. But the other group is actually saying, hey, you might have reduced the quantity, but the amount of plastic used now to essentially meet the new requirements has gone up so much that we've actually increased the amount of plastic. Is that what I'm hearing? I think that's pretty much what the what the argument has been presented as. Yeah. Okay. And for people that like don't even realize this plastic bag thing, let me play it out for that you and let me play it out for you, Eric, and kind of go through it with me. So we're in Northern California. We haven't seen plastic bags for a while, but let's say 15 years ago, 10 years ago, you go into any grocery store, you go into any Walgreens or CVS, and you would get your groceries or whatever you bought packaged in this really thin plastic bag, very thin plastic bag, and that would be given to you for free. And you would take it home and you'd throw it right in the garbage, typically. You know, if it made it home, if it was a heavy bag, sometimes it didn't even make it back. And California banned the free, the ability for you to freely give that to people but you can charge them for it. And it, the idea was that they said it can't be single use because they realized, hey, a lot of people are getting these 
thin plastic bags for free, taking them home, and then throwing them right in the trash because everyone does it. I mean, I that's all I knew. I mean, I maybe some people used it for cat litter too then, but it wasn't it wasn't the majority. Let's just put it that way. Well, and I, I think it's funny that going through this because I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time when uh, the question came out, paper or plastic, right? Yep. And it almost would create an existential crisis in the checkout line of like, oh my God, which one is worse for the environment? Paper, cutting down the trees, plastic, it's going to pollute the environment. Ah, I can't make a decision. No, that's true. That's true. So I mean, like, so this is... So, and let me know your thoughts too. So the ban wasn't really a ban. It was a regulation of, hey, you can't make them so thin that they're only used once. And we're going to make requirements around it. So it's not a plastic bag ban. It's basically a plastic ban, a plastic bag regulation that made, that made you go, okay, one, it better last more than a single time. So it's got to be thicker. And two, you got to make it more difficult for people to uh, get it by charging them for it. And so what's resulted is more plastic is being used per bag dramatically. And grocery stores and all these stores that used to give it away for free are now like, hey, this is great. We're making up to $200,000 per month on plastic bags because people aren't going to stop using them. They're just going to pay for them now. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, and I, I think that um, I, I think the the method that you know you're you're charging the consumer for utilization of a single use item out of a grocery store, for instance, is one strategy to try to discourage the use of of single use items, and then the 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 control over or the uh, banning of plastic bags as a single use option in stores was another um, leg of the stool uh, to try to limit the use of single use, but especially single use plastics, um, because they were identified as a, a, a bigger concern to environmental impacts than say single use paper bags um, that are still available in stores um, in our area. Um, even though some areas you can't find plastic bags uh, as single-use items. But then sort of what happened in a lot of stores was instead of selling uh, reusable cloth bags, for instance, um, they there was a cheaper option for selling reusable plastic bags that, like you said, are used with a, a sturdier material. It's reusable. You bring it home, you put it in your basket by your front door or in your car, and every time you go to the store, you reuse it again until, you know, something happens to it and um, and you have to dispose of it, mostly because it's potentially not an easily recyclable material. I think another element on the single-use plastic bags from grocery stores to consider is that there were um, steps taken to try to have these stores set up take back uh, areas for single-use plastic and 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 film plastics um and it was had potential to be successful but um you know hasn't really 
taken on a, a wide uh, area of, of success. And um, a lot of the people that are responsible for collecting and, and processing and, and recycling that type of material um, have struggled with it and, and are kind of moving away from that. So that's interesting. Okay, so I think if I understand correctly, this plastic bag ban, sorry, I get caught up in those three terms, the plastic bag ban at grocery stores in these multiple states worked in the way of, in the number of bags being used, which means you went from, let's say, a million to 500,000. The reports say, I think it was 3 million saved, you know, from 6 million, but it was roughly half. Um, the quantity decreased dramatically, double digits. However, the amount of plastic used went up because you had to create a stronger plastic bag. Yeah, potentially by these, the arguments presented by these studies, right? Right. So almost both studies probably have some truth to them. They might be all both be true. I'm just saying these studies might, they, they sound conflicting when you read the titles or when you read the headlines, but when you dig into them, they might both be true. It's really a matter of how you look at it. And then truthfully, I think, would you look at then the plastic bag ban as a success or a failure? Depends on who you're talking to, I think. You know, no, I think I'm talking you, to you. I mean, you've been in sustainability for decades. What would you like from a high level from just seeing these numbers? If you believe both of these things to be true, was it success or failure? Because I have an opinion on this now just based on what I'm hearing. I think it's a success in the sense that it's at least shifted uh, the understanding of single-use plastics especially. Um, the, the thinner uh, film plastic um, and the impacts that that has uh, on the environment. Um, and, I, and I think that that is an important um, shift in understanding within the broader public. Um, it's a shift in understanding with grocery stores um, and you know, manufacturers of, of these products. Um, I think that it created probably some unintended uh, results, including, you know, this area of dispose plastic disposable reusable bags, um, which I think it'd be hard to argue that those are better for the environment potentially. Um, it may have led to an increased usage of garbage, plastic garbage bags, which are pretty much the same thing as single-use plastic, disposable plastic. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think that it was successful in the sense that it shifted behaviors and shifted understanding, um, but it created or magnified uh, other areas that are still a challenge and potentially need to be addressed. Got it. So there's success there and there's challenges there, right? Is that what I'm hearing? 
Because I feel like the typical political response. Yeah, yeah. it's really political. So I, I I don't need to be political. I feel like it's a failure <laughs> if we've used more plastic, which I do believe because I know that like, look, 10 years ago, you go into a store. Remember those plastic bags? Like sometimes if you put like a six pack in them or let's say um, six pack of bottled water, by the way, which is even worse. So let's just say you put something heavy in there it might not make it nowadays you go to a store and i've done this where you're kind of like at the checkout and you don't you have a ton of stuff do you want a bag and it just they don't even say paper plastic just do you want a bag and you get the bag and you put it in there and you know that thing's not going to break the plastic bags are definitely thicker it was 10 cents so i feel like there's a couple things that maybe weren't thought out which is one the price is too minimal for people to care it's 10 cents a bag Right, yeah. it adds up for a grocery store, but for a consumer, unless, and this is, I'm just, I guess, unless you're really like, unless you're counting pennies right there at the, at the actual uh, register, you're not going to worry about it. You're not going to be like, ten cents isn't that much at that point because you just want to carry it home because for that convenience. Whereas, I feel yeah. like that's a big issue. Whereas, like you know, a new ban or an updated legislation is like charge $5, charge $2, because all of a sudden you'd say, I can buy a reusable bag for $2. I'm just going to use a reusable bag. Yeah, I think uh, the economic incentives and the price points established for behavioral change are an important consideration, but it also runs into um a lot of different lobbying efforts right I, I do think it is interesting that um you know i think when you talk about that 10 cents charge for using a bag at a grocery store instead of them just giving it to you for free even though it's maybe priced into the overall cost of, of goods that that they're that they're selling um is is one stool of a strategy to try to eliminate single-use bags from grocery stores for instance and um and then if you just have that by itself then like you said it, it doesn't necessarily lead to decreased plastic use and maybe even increases plastic use in the sense that and i don't know why the decision was made to create plastic bags that are more sturdy and thick and and durable in, in a sense that are single use in design um whether that's because of the decreased cost associated it with it because you're charging for them or that there's a recognition by grocery stores that they've been they were double or triple bagging the thinner plastic one use bags um and so it made more sense to get thicker bags that they didn't, didn't have to waste time triple bagging um, for the heavier six packs of water that you're purchasing. Um, but I think the the other side of it is if if you do combine that uh, 10 cents bag charge with a ban on providing single use plastic bags, whether they're the thin ones from we're buying six packs to the thicker ones that potentially are sold now to the 22 year olds buying six packs. Um, it, I think that those bans support the 
10 cents charge and lead to the need to buy um, quote unquote reusable bags from these stores. Yeah, so from, from my side, yeah. So I look at it as a failure because I think we just, and like the 10 cents has never been raised. I mean, in California, what it's been banned, plastic bag ban, plastic bag ban in California was enacted. I'll find out exactly when it was enacted. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a failure, but at the same time, like, let's say you do the, you have the 10 cents bag charge, you have a ban on on using uh, single use plastic bags at the grocery store. Then you come in and say, the reusable bags that you sell at your grocery stores cannot be made from certain material types, including this this plastic, right? It needs to be made from something else that is more sustainable. Um, does that lead to uh, different behavior change? Uh, you start targeting the plastic used in sold in garbage bags for for the homes and changing it to compostable plastics or some other type of material that is potentially more sustainable or environmentally friendly. Um, I think uh, when when we try to say success or failure, it, there's there's an ongoing um, effort at trying to solve solve a problem um that um is part of part of this process and part of saying whether or not it's a su success or failure got it well let's talk about the new ban that's going into effect january 1st 2025 which is California is going to become, will be the first state then to prohibit grocery stores from providing single-use non-compostable bags to shoppers before they reach the checkout counter. Yeah. So, so I guess to your point, there's success, there's failure. Maybe they, we learned here in California, we're Californians, um, and we're gonna try to push it to the next level. And both of these reports, though the headlines might look as conflicting, they might both have some truth to them, likely have some truth to them, and it's a matter of being able to understand what's what and not get caught up in the greenwash. Yeah, and 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 I think that the challenge is that, especially in these studies, uh, they can lean one way or the other to start with. But it's also, you know, there's there's limited information that they're that they're getting one way or the other. No matter how comprehensive a study is, it's always going to be uh, limited in nature. And for instance, doesn't capture whether or not, um, you know, that single-use plastic bag is used at homes uh, multiple times um, after it uh, gets to somebody's house and, and before it actually gets to the disposal area. So um, I, I think it's, I think the theme of a lot of our conversations is going to be it's complex and we don't know what ultimately is more sustainable in actions. But um, the, the, the grounding for me is the idea that um, every decision and every action you take 
requires energy and resources and trying your best to understand how to limit the energy use and, and, and material and resource use of your daily actions um, is the foundation for leading to a more sustainable world. Okay, that makes sense. I get that. I think the, the other thing I take away is that when these articles come out, when these studies come out, don't just look at the headline or the headline of the writers that are looking at the study because there's sensationalism added to these headlines to make sure you click on them. And if you're going to read them and they look both conflicting, make sure you read them through because I think what we're finding here is there is likely truth to both of these studies. And there's something to be found in both of them. One, which is what we learned is there was a success to the ban in that the quantity of plastic bags uh, used went down. There was maybe a failure in this in that the amount of plastic used in this lesser quantity was more than before. Yeah. Right. And that was just another thing in that, Hey, these grocery stores are making money from it. So it's, everybody's happy yeah it's confusing but you gotta gotta go through it so i think oh, when and, you're reading this and, and are we failing here seth because we're supposed to be the ones that are making this easier on people and providing information but we're we're basically saying hey if you're trying to decide to get a plastic or a paper bag good luck <laughs> well i know I, mean, I think we're saying too what we're saying is hey there was a success and failure to it so plastic yeah. bands do work in the number the quantity of the actual amount of plastic used didn't work um it didn't work in that end and so there's ways if we look at the studies we believe both of them to be true that's qualification you know that the quantity worked we went that dropped in quantity the actual amount of plastic used didn't work it went backwards california is now pushing forward realizes it and is going forward with a new leg legislation that hits January 21st, 2025 to say, hey, it better be compostable too. So this is gonna change things up again and it will make, it will it will lessen the amount of plastic for sure because they're gonna have to be compostable. Um, and we'll get to, you know, this conversation will be changed a year from now or two years from now. Yeah, it's a moving target and, it's all, and it always will be. Um, I do think that the 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 complexity and and the uh and the constant movement of of these targets leads to uh confusion and and is makes it ripe for the idea of greenwashing and uh having a muddled information uh uh ecosystem so you know i i think it does introduce this challenge where um not only is it confusing and it's not there, there's not a black and white answer a lot of the times but it can lead to um, manipulation of established sustainability successes by those that maybe are using the brand, using the messaging, um, but aren't necessarily um, focused on achieving sustainable results. That makes perfect sense. And I, but I think we, what we did find is that, you know, I think when you're reading these articles, one, look at, what site it is to look at who the author is is it an opinion piece or is it an actual reporter that's writing this piece right you know that's 
two. Three, I'd look at actually any reports reference, look at the reports and then dig into them too. Now we can go through these ourselves and we can start taking, you know, basically inquiries from people that are listening to this to go, we can dig into this, but greenwashing is real. Propaganda has been real since day one. And it's a matter of like really trying to navigate it as best you can. With you. Okay. And I mean, I was, you know, let's go into greenwashing now, if that's okay to switch topics and dig into it a little bit deeper. And um, I want to talk to you about what the EU just passed. Um, and the parliament just passed. And by the way, I can put the links up too, as well to the parliament page where they discussed this. But if I go through this, January 17th, in November, it was put forth. And then on January 17th, European Parliament approved new legislation aimed at curbing greenwashing by businesses. And it says, essentially, it's called the Directive on Empowering Consumers for the Green Transition will ban exaggerated and unfounded claims relating to a company's environmentally friendly actions, including carbon neutral claims. It's gonna take two years to go into effect. And, you know, I love what they're trying to do because the whole thing is, let me explain what I believe it's gonna be, which is, you know, the EU is trying to take steps to combat greenwashing because they realized there's a bunch of these terms that are basically unsubstantiated. And so they have one of their big pieces of it. Um, the new rules are going to be a ban on unsubstantiated claims, generic environmental claims, such as climate neutral, environmentally friendly, natural, biodegradable, or even eco, you have to have proof of it. You can't, in two years, you cannot list it on your products unless you have proof of it by a recognized excellent environmental performance uh, group. Yeah, and I think this is a, a classic example of kind of what we were sort of touching on, which is um, that group, is needing to define um, what it means to be natural or eco-friendly or sustainable or organic or whatever the phrases are. And that's that's a difficult task and, and requires input from a lot of different directions and it, and it opens up um, controversies. Um, but it's also important because um, you need an agreed upon set of facts um, to determine whether or not something is better or worse. So if I look at it too, I mean, like what EU is doing, they're going after a bunch of these claims, a bunch of these terms, because they're finding out, hey, a lot of you, you can pretty much put biodegradable on anything. Not that it's, you should, or it's ethical, but a lot of people right now, because there's no laws against it, a lot of people are able to do that. A lot of people are able to claim emissions offsettings, and that shouldn't be allowed, and sustainability labels. And I think 
we talked about the history of sustainability last week. I think what we're seeing this week is kind of, um, I guess we're, sustainability has been changing. Now that it's more at the forefront, we're seeing a lot of companies go, hey, just slap that label on because there's really no consequence for it not to be on there. Because we know that consumers want eco-friendly. We want. We know consumers want biodegradable. We know consumers want this. And if there's no regulations around it, we can just run with it. I guess it's wild, wild west in a lot of ways. Whereas now the EU is stepping in going, hey, wild, wild west is coming to an end. We need to put regulations around this. It needs to be substantiated or there will be penalties. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that 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 captures it. Um, and I, I think it, it just is is really uh, an, an effort to um, come up with working definitions of of recyclability, for instance, um, or you know, post consumer content. Um, but I think you need to have those in order to measure um impact um because if you have loosely defined areas or uh then then you can't and and i think you know an example that i think of is 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 the uh you know the recyclable arrows on 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 plastic which aren't really aren't really recyclable arrows they're just arrows indicating which type of plastic it is um it doesn't necessarily mean that it's recyclable, but because those those three arrows of that create that circle have been connected to circularity and, and recycling, um, ultimately there's a there's confusion that in the population that it's indicating that this material is is recyclable when sometimes it's not. Um, so I think it's trying to clarify and avoid um, that level of uh, consumer confusion um, about what's being either marketed or even just put on to uh, the boxes. I mean, similar to the ingredients list um, and nutrition information on the side of um, the box of crackers that you're buying. No, this, this makes sense. And I think it's kind of like, I guess it's almost like a natural progression with a lot of these things. Cause if you look at old, like I'm an advertising buff, I love looking at old ads throughout the centuries, decades, sorry. And, um, you know, like old (laughs) old tobacco ads were like, I'm looking at one right now, lucky strike when tempted reach for a lucky instead, because you don't want to, you want to avoid that future shadow of basically, and it shows a woman, and the shadow of her is this woman with a big under big second chin. <laughs> right? Yeah. And you know, it's essentially yeah. saying avoid overindulgence in things that cause excess weight by smoking. Right. And then it shows when tempted to overindulge, do this. And so I think this whole thing around um <laughs> You know, until there's regulation, a lot of companies are going to run wild with what they can or can't say. And, you know, fortunately, the EU is at the forefront of this. Hopefully the U.S. gets there soon, too. I know the U.S. has talked about it, 
but I don't see, I haven't seen anything that's come through. I, what I can do, do is go through the, the changes to packaging that they're suggesting, but not, it's not in law, but the EU is putting something in law that's going to take place uh, over the next two years. Yeah, um, and, I, and I think that, um, you know, starting with the example of, of cigarettes and, and the, 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 the decades it took to transition away from doctors recommending pregnant women to smoke to, you know, not allowing pregnant women to even stand within 100 feet of someone smoking, you know, that's a, that's a, long, that's a long process. And I, I think a lot of this uh, sustainability side also is is that long fight and some of this is starting to get you know there, there's there's the low-hanging fruit where it it kind of makes sense right it's like if ddt is bad let's stop using it that was a fight enough as it was as, as we talked about last week um but it, it's pretty transparent and easy to to conceptualize uh as as a broader public um but I think a lot of these efforts now are starting to get into, you know, higher level, smaller, detailed, nitty gritty type of uh, small movements that um, are more difficult because it's not as easy to sell to the public at this point and can easily get uh, muddied as we kind of talked about before about the, the plastic bag ban and, and how there's different perspectives on it. Well, listen, I know we were running out of time, but there's a couple of things. One thing I wanted to talk about, too, um, excited about what EU is doing. California is kind of doing its own thing, too, with new, with the SB 343, which is the recyclability labeling law. I'd love to kind of have you walk us through what that is. Because, um, I mean, I know we've been talking about California a lot. That's one, we're in California. And then, you know, two... The plastic bag ban, we were at the forefront of that. With the new legislation, we're at the forefront of changing that to the next level. Hopefully that works too. But can you walk us through the California recyclability law? Yeah, um, uh, you know, it basically is saying uh, it wants to evaluate whether a product or packaging is recyclable in the state. Um, and this is, is, is coming from, um, a lot of the disruption that's been happening in the recycling world, especially since um, China um, put up their what was phrased as the Great Green Wall, I believe, um, and and basically kind of shut down a lot of the recycling market uh, because they wanted to limit the amount of contamination as close to zero as they could, which made a lot of uh, the different materials that were being recycled or being claimed to be recycled, uh, not having uh, a market to go to anymore. And so um, there became uh, increasing recognition that, you know, there's an element of greenwashing to our recycling as, uh, efforts as well, in the sense that um, a lot of material would be shipped overseas and once it's on the boat and, and leaves the harbor for for all intents and purposes you know we believe that it's getting recycled and the environmental benefits are there but um 
when people started to go to the end markets overseas and considering what impacts that had, um, it, they discovered a lot of uh, you know negative ramifications on uh, on the environments in other countries. So it called into questions a lot of like, okay, well, what actually is happening when we say not, uh, materials being recycled? Um, so this is an effort to kind of come up with a list of an updated list of what recyclable means in California um, and connect it to, uh, you know, the material types and forms that become uh, the, the basis or the feedstock of, of the production and products and packaging. Um, it connects it to the facilities that um, are processing it and um, making sure that the facilities that handle this material, a, a, a majority of them are actually uh, recycling uh, the material types. Um, and it requires uh, the state agency CalRecycle to uh, publish and update characterization studies of materials that um, sh should be considered and included in the recycling categories. Um, and so it, it's really just an effort to um, define, better define what, what materials should be and are considered recyclable in, in California and then leading to um, you know the, the the mandate that more communities in California um, have to recycle those materials. Um, and in addition, I think there's an effort to uh, place uh, the uh, responsibility on the on the producers and uh, create a uh, a funding stream from the producer side versus uh, the consumption side. Um, and violations of that could lead to misdemeanors. So if I understand correctly too, which is recycling, plastic recycling came out, you know, part of the sustainability movement we're talking about too, you know, post Earth Day, post the forming of the EPA. And it was like, hey, we have a solution, plastic, it's recyclable. It was stated it's recyclable. It is recyclable. Whether it's worth it to recycle, we found out that less than what nine percent globally is recycled. Less than five percent in the states is recycled, and it's primarily because it's cheaper to actually use what they call virgin plastic, which means just create it from new because it's so much more expensive to actually recycle it. And so what we've been doing in the past and what's actually now come to light with a huge Pacific plastic patch and is that we were selling it to China. China goes, hey, we'll take care of it. What that means, who knows? And then China finally said, hey, we're not going to take care of it anymore. So other countries have said, hey, we'll take care of it. And it's a mess. It's a giant mess because this plastic's not being recycled. It's just being thrown out into the ocean where it's showing up in streams, killing fish, killing you name it, and causing a major disruption 
to to the world in general, I guess. And so what California is doing is saying now, if you're gonna if you're gonna say this is recyclable, we have to label it properly. It has to be is it recyclable in the state of California? If it is, you know, it has to be recycle it has to be recyclable or it just has to be labeled as such. Or do you know yet? Has it come out yet? Well, I, I think it's 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 trying to create a, a list of materials that are deemed recyclable. And and with the examination of end markets in mind and in the examination of how facilities actually um, process and divert those material streams. Um, and, and so I think that's different in the sense that seemingly when some of this first came out, it's like the, the material is recyclable. So we we're going to call it recyclable. Um, yeah, there's movement towards uh, their, their markets that are, are established to recycle them. The, but markets change and, and markets evolve and um, cost considerations and environmental laws change. And, um, and so it needs to be reviewed and updated on a regular basis because one material that was recycled 25 years ago now may not be recycled because it just doesn't have a, a economic market for it. Um, and and so it's it's about kind of just updating what's what recycling means, what materials should be included in the recyclability area, and then um, trying to um, decrease the amount of materials that are not that are produced that are not in that recyclability area. Got and it sounds like there'll be measurements by Cal Recycle, right? Which is essentially. Cal Recycle is going to be able to study material types and forms and kind of go through that so that we're, yeah, we're, putting, I mean, we're putting in some type of framework in California to say, we want to make sure if it says recyclable, it really is recyclable. Is it recyclable in the state? Is it recyclable? Is it realistically going to be recycled? And we want to have a third party, a state I don't know if Cal Recycle is a state department or what it is, but we want someone to come in and be able to check on it and do studies on it to make sure it's happening and or the, the materials, what you say is what you say it is. Yeah. Is yeah. And similar to the EU uh, topic, you know, it's, a, it's just an effort to create, try to create a, a better source of information uh, updated uh, data that that can be used to uh, either better make a decision as a consumer, uh, better make a decision as a uh, producer, better make decisions as a as a regulatory agency in terms of how we eliminate the uh, the more uh, harmful substances from uh, the production stream. And so I think what this effort on the California side to update what's considered recyclable um, and how you measure recyclability will lead is leading to um, you know legislative action that's going to penalize the production of these non-recyclable materials or ban the production or the use of these uh, non-recyclable materials um, similar to the the single-use plastic bag bands we were talking at the beginning. Got it. So if I can just wrap this up, 
it's confusing. It's an ever-changing target. We're trying to do what we can to get in front of it. And I think the EU's with the there's a lot of confusion. We went through greenwashing today and propaganda pieces maybe that look like they're conflicting, but maybe aren't conflicting with the plastic bag ban impact. We went through a little bit of what the EU is doing to combat greenwashing. And then we went through what California is doing to help with, I guess, transparency around recyclability and what's on the labels. Yeah. And so it's an ever-moving target. We just got to try to stay ahead of it as best we can. Yeah, and and uh, say no to single-use plastic. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Eric. I really appreciate your time today. And then I guess next week what we can do is we still got to touch on so many things. I know we want to talk about Saturn Spring. We're going to have to do a couple of those where we do deep dives into certain big moments, I think, in sustainability, too, to help people understand it better, if that works for you. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, great. We'll have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Yeah, you too, Seth.